from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 870, FIDO2 and Passwordless with guest Kyle Kotowick. Recorded Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. My guest today is Dr. Kyle Kotowick, who is the founder of a Canadian consulting and development firm focused on cloud infrastructure, security, and Internet Things implementations for high-growth clients. And he's here with us at NBC London, just fresh off your talk, which was building a passwordless cloud infrastructure. I mean, it's not just hip anymore, right? Like we really are getting past passwords bit by bit here. We have the ability to. Whether yeah. we actually are is a very different question. Very different problem. You know, it says the, and I've just freshly migrated off of LastPass and onto Bitwarden because of their problems, but it's still several hundred passwords that I'm managing. Yeah, and the problem I think is that it's not just up to your consumers, right? Yeah. Like I would love to use passwordless authentication for everything I could think of, but I can only do it for the applications that support that. Yeah. And getting all of your developers and, and different providers to support that is much more difficult. Well, as long, and as long as developers aren't trying to roll their own, if they're using the contemporary libraries that are available, you often get a bunch of those features for free. Most implementations I've seen for multi-factor authentication is just you're using Okta and it has MFA included or you're using Azure Active Directory and you can implement against that. Yeah, I mean, any any second-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication is fantastic. I mean, that alone will reduce your number of attacks by 99.9%. Sure. Uh, so it's, it's certainly a, something that everyone should be using. But they're not necessary anymore because we have better technologies yeah and specifically fido2 uh, which is a standard that came out in 2018 and is is gradually seeing adoption through different operating systems and uh, service providers it's great 2018 so it's actually really fresh but that's five years ago but only now are we getting to a point where there's enough code supporting supporting fido2 that it can make a dent yeah exactly and and it's kind of the same issue right it's not about what your consumers want to use or in this case even what your developers want to use if you're building a new application Mm -hmm. but about what's supported from the top down right so you have to start at your inside an authentication stack yeah right so your whatever you're using for your identity provider google and azure etc right they have to provide it before you can really start implementing it everywhere throughout your stack if you're using some sort of centralized authentication like that when you say fido i immediately think of the ub keys that i have like i i decided to jump on that bandwagon pretty early but it's not necessarily physical keys? No. So FIDO is actually the FIDO Alliance, mm-hmm. which is a uh, not-for-profit organization that comprises a, a number of representatives from different open source groups and some of the large companies such as Google and, and Microsoft. And it's actually short for Fast Identity Online. Mm-hmm. And they've recently, and by recently, I mean recently in the adoption world of, of technology in 2018, come out with FIDO2. Right. Uh, which is a standard, right? It's not a key. It's not a Not a physical hardware. thing. It's not a piece of hardware. Right. It is a standard that anyone can implement. And it allows you to use uh, a public-private key infrastructure to log into anything. Okay. So, th- and this is one of the passwordless strategies is exactly. just use FIDO2 authentication. Right. So, if it's not a password, what is it then? 
Well, it's a, it's a private key. Okay. So you know any of our our I say our listeners, any of your listeners mm. <laughs> who um, you know use keys to log in uh, SSH for their various servers right. or any kind of access that uses a key like that. It's the same idea. Mm-hmm. It's an asymmetric key. But what's different here is that the private key is actually stored in something secure. So that could be a, a trusted platform module on your computer. It could be one of these physical keys that we talk about. So a YubiKey like or a any YubiKey. other physical security key. Right. That is a module that is storing your private key and it is generating new private public key pairs for everything you want to authenticate to. Right. And then you use some sort of personal identifications that could be a pin it could be a fingerprint face id something about you to unlock the module that stores those private keys and then it is able to take a challenge sign it and return it back to you and then you can prove that you have that private key without actually being able to access the private key that's the important part and so the tpm chips that are in pretty much any laptop or workstation today could serve as the fido Two host? Yes. TPM chips are seeing you know a greater adoption, but you still only really get them in enterprise builds yeah. because they're a, a feature that adds cost, right? Sure. So Windows 11 basically demanded it, although there's workarounds for not having it. It is, again, a getting adoption, yes. <laughs> but we're not there yet. Yeah. And uh, a lot of, particularly in the PC world, it's harder to find motherboards that have TPMs in, included. And okay. So uh, oftentimes you have, they'll have an expansion port and you have to buy your own and stick it in there. Which is a nuisance. But yeah. But if I can buy, if I'm buying machines for my, my company, it's not that hard for me to, to make sure I'm buying the ones with TPM in, included. It's recommended on the enterprise level anyway. Exactly. And now I can do more with it. So with a TPM, you can use the, the TPM as the authenticator instead of using an external device such as a, a USB security key as the authenticator. Okay. So it's essentially the same thing. It's just built into your laptop instead of being external. But it has to be unlocked in some way. So if the machine's stolen, it can't be used. And this is where right. stuff like Hello comes in, exactly. the, the facial recognition piece. So Windows Hello is the integration that they have with their onboard TPMs. Or you can do it in software. I think it's called a trusted uh, compute environment right. where it's essentially isolated and they try to make it as difficult as possible to, for any attacker um, who has a physical access to your machine to be able to extract that key if they can open up your laptop and right. tinker with the, the components. So it's fairly physical protection. And then, I mean, I'm just doing, uh, I can ask for this to be implemented on application levels as a, as a sysadmin or using it for authentication into Windows. Yep. So uh, for Windows specifically, Windows Hello is is Windows or Microsoft's built-in offering for that. Mm-hmm. And they have it both for consumers. So anyone who logs into Windows with you know, their, their face or a fingerprint has used this. But they also have it at the enterprise level called Windows Hello for Business, which offers a wide array of additional features for integration with Active Directory and being able to have um, those private keys stored. Ah, okay. So when I started playing with this back in the day, making it work with AD was a pain in the butt. That has changed. Okay. (laughs) So now Windows Hello for Business is the space we should be looking at. And if I recall, the facial recognition stuff needed a specialty camera too. Like it worked in the Surface books, but I don't know that it, is it more devices that support it? It requires an infrared or a 3D camera. Mm-hmm. So either an infrared camera or two separate cameras that can generate a 3D image. Right. That is required so that you can't fool it just by showing the camera a picture of, of someone. Of a right? person. Yeah. You actually need a 3D model of their face or an infrared capture of their face. Which is now we're getting into harder. James Bond stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not impossible, right? No. There have been multiple... Um, I shouldn't say multiple. It gives the wrong impression. There have been one or two uh, demonstrations of being able to bypass the system using some custom USB hardware that kind of um, 
pretends that it's a real IR camera and just sends a pre-captured frame. Right. But even that is still far more secure than a password. Because it's, a, it's, a, it's a demo at Black Hat. Like yeah, Somebody's exactly. going to be able to pull that yeah. off. And but. you're going to find that with any authentication sure. system. It's just a question of realism and, yeah. and who's it, actually going to do that. This is, there's never perfect security. There's just hard enough that your your typical scenario is not going to happen. Yeah. Right? Make that, it not worth it for your yeah. attacker. Putting a club on a steering wheel doesn't make your car impossible to steal. It makes it harder than the next car so they won't take your car. Exactly. Yeah, not any fancier than that. So... I, I mean, I, I'm enthralled at the possibility of doing those kinds of, of recognitions. And I really like the idea of not having to have the physical key that I'm thinking all of my privileged accounts, my, my senior leadership, all of those folks, like moving them into more secure practices just because they're the accounts most likely to be exploited. Absolutely. For multiple reasons, uh, because they have the most access to things. Right. But also, if we're being honest, a lot of people in management positions aren't necessarily the most technical mm-hmm. and perhaps aren't aware of the best security policies or don't perhaps they aren't inclined to follow them precisely yeah. well and, I, and I, we've been talking on the show for a while now but it's like if you can't get senior leadership on board how do you expect the rest to, to get on board absolutely um, you have to lead by example sure and I, and admins first because a we're pretty technical b we know how significant the scope is and the issues around that so there's and we all we often are running around with a lot of privilege so you know locking our own accounts down is obvious but then going to leadership i the idea of the facial recognition piece, I think this is going to appeal to a non-technical person is a cool way to that, log in. You know, honestly, as someone who does a lot of human factors research and yeah. work in that human computer space, the cool factor cannot be underestimated yeah. in its value. Yeah. People will invest in something that makes them feel like James Bond. Totally. Like they're, you know, cutting edge technology, right? And if that also happens to be the most secure way to do something, that is a perfect fit. Yeah, beautiful. Like, do do that. Don't don't get them typing in thirty character passwords through this. Uh, not that I mind YubiKeys. I got mine ages ago, and I've managed not to lose them. Knock on wood. But I'm also evidently aware it's like you need more than one. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. There's pros and cons, right? Yeah. Uh, having one external hardware key that you can carry around with you means that I can use any computer that I trust yep. and access my accounts through there just by plugging the key into it. And that is one form of convenience. But on the flip side, if I forget my key in my other pants and I don't have it when I go to work. You're looking at me like I forgot my key in my other pants today. (laughs) (laughs) And the good news is you can do both. Yeah. Most of the uh, web authn systems that are implemented in the standard, you can have multiple different keys for one user. Right. And you can, we can have an unlimited number of keys for one user which means that I can add my laptop and my PC, which both have separate keys in their mm-hmm. TPMs. I can add my external security key and have them all in one account. And then depending on where I am or what's most convenient for me, I can use... Which yeah, if I'm using my machine, then I don't need the key. But if I'm using somebody else's machine, I do. Exactly. So yeah, you have that that spectrum of choice there. What about the phone? How does, the, does the phone play into that? The phone is a pretty cool feature. So that's been part of the FIDO standard since it was first released in 2014. Mm -hmm. But it's playing more of a role now in FIDO 2 since FIDO 2 itself is just being more adopted. And through the, it's called the Client to Authenticator Protocol, CTAP 2, it allows you to use your phone or any other external device that can connect through Bluetooth or USB or NFC to be the authenticator. Mm -hmm. So I can have my phone as the authenticator. It stores my private keys. I use my fingerprint or face to unlock it. If I connect it with Bluetooth to my laptop, then when I log in to some website that I've signed up for with WebAuthn and where I initially signed up on my phone, I can then log in on my laptop 
using the key on my phone. And it is great, not only for being able to log in with a portable device, everyone has their phone, but also you can use that as a system to add additional devices without a lot of overhead. So if I use that, then I can have an option to have the website say, oh, would you like to generate a key on your laptop as well? So you don't need your phone next time and just automatically do that whole process. Yeah. That's interesting. And then you don't do that if it's not your machine, but if it is your machine, you can do it. And you sort of quiet, you know, sit in there web auth end. So that is a stack for utilizing. So FIDO2 standard mm-hmm. includes several components. Web authn is one of the two primary components. Okay. The other is CTAP2, which mm-hmm. I also mentioned. Web authn is the API that the browser offers the developer who's writing their front end application mm-hmm. in, in JavaScript. It's the API the browser offers to actually interface with the host platform and external authenticators. So you would call an API, a WebAuthn API from your browser, and then it would provide a prompt to the user that says, would you like to generate a new key or would you like to sign in with an existing key? Right. And then that prompts you for your fingerprint or face ID and, and you go from there. Yeah. Now, you see all these different ways to not use a password <laughs> and have these different tools. Like I use Authenticator on my phone, but I have not gone down this path yet where that I could be using the key service in that to authenticate different software. Yeah. And I don't want to say anything bad about uh, authenticators on your phone, those Mm -hmm. time-based one-time passwords. They are, you know, as I said, the most effective way to reduce attacks uh, through a relatively simple implementation. And since the population is pretty accustomed to them now, they're willing to use it for the most part if you require it. But it's all about convenience. Yeah. You make it more convenient while also making it more secure and you'll get adoption. And Microsoft updated Authenticator just in the past few months to do the, you know, pick the right number selection rather than having to type in the six digit um, key, uh, arguably to make it simpler for folks. Yeah. There are multiple different ways to do it. Yeah. Uh, providing a push to your phone like that to, you know, to prompt the user to do something mm-hmm. obviously requires connectivity to the the authentication server, yeah. whereas a time-based one-time password doesn't. You can do it with an offline device. So there's, yeah. again, pros and cons Trades there, depending on what you want to do. Well, you always see with Microsoft Authenticator, if you're logging into a Microsoft product, the Authenticator pops up and goes, is this you? Yeah. Shall we go ahead with and that? Google does the same yeah, thing. Yeah, for their products. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those like, well, who do you log into most? You should use that Authenticator. And that's really one of the the main features and benefits of FIDO2 is that it was one of the first times that all these big players really cooperated on something. And they actually came out with a standard that they were all relatively happy with. Hmm. That was one of the things that kind of shot FIDO1 in the foot. They had some similar ideas, but there were competing interests that led to some restrictions and it didn't really get adopted. That was UAF when it first came out. And that problem has been solved-ish. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, it's good news that they came up with a new standard that more people agreed with and more players use it than it creates its own momentum. And right, because as soon as Microsoft players. and Google adopt something, then it will work its way through the pipeline. It's a lot of the market. Yeah. Like right away, that's an off of that between Google Docs and Office. If you've won those two on one standard, that's a lot of the market already. Everybody yeah. else is making a mistake if they don't play. Plus well. all of your enterprise clients that use Azure AD or yeah. Google Workspaces. Or Google Workspaces. And Colin would interrupt for one moment with this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Two Weeks Ready helps individuals, families, and communities prepare for disasters using smartphones. HTBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. 
HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. Your donations help support the creation of this life-saving software. Thanks. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Kyle Cudewick. And we're here at NDC London in a very cold room on a wintry day. Uh, talking about the FIDO2 standard and this great progress that's made in that space. Um, part of this conversation I wanted to get into is uh, all the, the pressure on privileged account management. I mean, we've talked to, obviously, we want our admins because they run in privileged accounts. But the other class of privileged account that seems to be a target these days are developers. And they often need privileged accounts for the kind of development they're doing. They don't want security to get into the way. Um, how, do, how does FIDO2 help us here? FIDO2, in terms of just representing something that offers a passwordless login option, mm-hmm. helps us by removing the need for storing long-lived credentials. Right. So if you've used AWS or Azure or Google Cloud or any of those big cloud providers, the traditional way to do this was to generate an access token for a user uh, and then store that access token on your local machine and use it when you're actually interacting with the AWS APIs. Right. And that is problematic because that credential has to be stored in plain text somewhere somewhere on your computer, right? And Amazon says, just stick it in your home directory and Uh, pretend it's not a problem. uh, (laughs) Um, (laughs) Make sure it has the right permissions on the file. Right. Uh, How many people are actually checking the permissions on the file too? None. So it's, it's a problem. The solution I think is to just get rid of long lived credentials altogether. Right. And we can do that through a a several step process. My preferred strategy is to use a central identity provider. So this could be Azure AD or Mm -hmm. Google workspaces or whatever, something you roll yourself using an open source framework, whatever you prefer. Right. And as long as that, provider supports standards such as SAML or OIDC, mm-hmm. then you can use it as a single source of truth for everything. Right. And you don't actually have to provision users or groups or permissions um, anywhere else. So if we're using AWS, for example, we can set up an AWS identity provider that trusts our external identity provider. In this mm-hmm. case, we'll call it Azure. And then when your developers want to access their administrator accounts, AWS redirects them to Azure to log in. Mm-hmm. And since, as we talked about earlier, Azure is currently supporting um, passwordless logins through FIDO2. Right. Now you have this chain of trust where the source is a passwordless login and you don't actually need any kind of long-lived credential in order to access AWS. It's always authenticating. Yeah. Well, it just passes you up the chain until you reach that single source of truth. Right. And you can do that downstream too. With your AWS services, you can have them trust an AWS provider which trusts... Azure, mm-hmm. right? So it just passes them back up to the top and sends them back down with their credentials with their signed token. And you can use that to access whatever you know you configure. Nice. So yeah, and I get away from having an embedded uh, uh, authentication model or some uh, some kind of token or something hanging around that could be exploited by somebody else. It just exactly. doesn't exist. And but we're still using the same mechanism. So this could be the TPM in the machine. It could be from their phone. It could be a key but they have a method of authenticating to have that privileged account. Exactly. And I I, want to note that um, because for years, developers and service providers have always harped on this idea of multi-factor authentication. Right. You have to have more than one thing, right? It can't just be a password you know. It can't just be some token that you hold, like a physical key. Right. There has to be a combination of things. Right. And for these uh, passwordless WebAuthn or FIDO2 logins, the way we accomplish that is... 
you need something inherent. So that could be your fingerprint or your face, right? Mm -hmm. Something that is inherent to you as a person. And you also need a device. So that could be your security key or the TPM in your laptop, right. PC. And you still have that multi-factor authentication. But the key part and why it's so convenient for our users and developers is because it doesn't feel that way. No. Right? Because you are already using your device if you're logging in. Yeah. And your fingerprint or your face ID are part of you. So it's not something you need to remember or add to the system. Sure. And so it doesn't feel like an extra step. It doesn't feel like an extra step. It feels like a one step login, yeah. but there are still two authentication factors happening. And that's the magic. Part. Yeah. That unlocking your phone with your finger to get access to the, to the, the service that then authenticates. It's two steps that just didn't feel like. Right. All you did was tap your finger on your yeah, phone. Yeah. Which you're one used step. to doing for everything anyway. And then the rest just works. So you're still getting multi-factor. You're just not seeing all the factors. And, Correct. and you're actually authenticating more often than you realize because it, it's, Largely automatable now. So once you've unlocked that stuff, if it needs reauthentication, it will. Yeah. You can have it set to have your, your token expire after 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, after five minutes, if you want, and have that full process automated. If you have a camera that can support face ID, right? Make Just, sure that that person is still the person who is sitting at that computer. Right. Yeah. It could really lock that down if I don't want them hanging around in privileged accounts longer than necessary. Yeah. That's an issue that we see in multiple enterprises where people will leave their workstation without locking it. Yeah. And there are some mechanisms, you know, you can use cameras to detect if someone has left and there's no one sitting there mm -hmm. and automatically lock a computer, but it's not perfect. It's not foolproof. Yeah. It's extra work to implement. But if we use a system like this, where it automatically authenticates with the user's face every minute, even. Yeah. Then as soon as someone gets up and leaves, even if someone else immediately comes and sits down at the unlock computer, it's going to fail. It's going to lock them out. Yeah. Yeah. You can make some very secure systems. They, with it. And the real question now is the, when the correct person is in front of the machine, can they tell that every minute it's reauthenticating? Like, is that going to hesitate or, you know, God, this knows not pop a dialogue. <laughs> it depends, right? it depends what you're using. Yeah. So with Windows Hello, for example, it will pop up a window saying, I'm, I'm looking at your face, right? Yeah. Like, uh, which will be intrusive. Yeah. But there are, the nice thing about FIDO2 is because it's an open standard, you can develop any kind of authenticator device that you want. Yeah. And as long as it meets the specifications, it'll work with these systems. So you could create a custom device that attaches to the user, that mm -hmm. sits next to the computer and constantly watches their face. You can do whatever you want yeah. and um, not have it be an intrusive system. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting, this idea of continuous reauthentication just because we want credentials to end. As, as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that in general, you know, from a cycle, you, the same way we can get our bosses excited about a cool gadget, we almost certainly will get developers on board with that too. So it feels like a group of folks I want to go get rid of passwords on anyway, that they'll probably enjoy these more sophisticated ways to log in. And we're actually dealing with more privileged account management. So that these privileged accounts are under better locks than, than bad passwords. Yeah, I think that given what we've seen with with breaches and how almost all of them involve obtaining a password of some sort yeah. or brute forcing a password like admin, uh, it it really just highlights the fact how anything is better than a password. Yes. And I'm not like I said, I'm not saying the FIDO2 is perfect and, and no. you can you can fake fingerprints and you can theoretically fake infrared face ID, yes. but it's a hell of a lot harder than guessing someone's yeah. it's easy to guess passwords. It's not coming from a rainbow table where we just tried a million passwords, exactly. right? Like that's not that simple. And the script kitties aren't, aren't cracking face IDs. Well, you know, that's an interesting question. If mm -hmm. one day there's going to be, um, password lists sold online that are just copies of someone's fingerprint. Yeah. I don't just know. Just try all these fingerprints. Yeah. See which one has the right hash. It's yeah. possible. But even then, you know, 
you're not directly unlocking with the, you, you have to try it on their device. You have to get yeah. to the right device. You need the second factor. So now you're in that combination problem where it's like, yeah, I've got a bunch of fingerprints. I just don't know what devices they can associate with to get a, a TPM unlocked right. to actually provide a token. So the second factor breaks it. Makes it it's not that simple. Exactly. Uh, it's compelling. Uh, are we seeing any more? Is there going to be a FIDO3? Like, how happy are they right now? So I don't know about a FIDO3, mm-hmm. but I know FIDO2 is constantly being improved and revised. And so they release what they call different levels. So FIDO2 level 1, level 2, level 3, and they have some patches and changes to the specifications as we go through. And I think FIDO2, for example, which I believe is currently in proposal, uh, removes a feature that was never used and was deemed to be uh, not ideal. Right. So it's not just adding things, and they're not always backward compatible, but uh, they are constantly improving the specification. Right. And But generally speaking, you're not deploying this code directly. It's a part of Azure AD or it's part of Windows. Like That's where that code exists. Yes. The code yeah. that – and I do want to stress, because there's a lot of confusion in the field about this, mm-hmm. that FIDO2, WebAuthn, it is not a software package. It right. is a specification. Right. right? It is a standard. And, it, and there are different implementations of that standard. And almost never are those implementations going to be ours. These are going to be, we get them from Microsoft, we get them from Google, we get them from our authentication provider, whatever that may be. Our most common interface with them will be through the browsers. Right. So through Chrome and Firefox and Safari Mm -hmm. and Edge, they all currently support the FIDO2 standard. Right. And so our interface will be through that WebAuthn API that allows you to access these different features on the platform and on, on the authenticator without actually needing any kind of software to directly interface yeah. with these things. Yeah. So this is going to happen quietly. There's always the question is, you said one of those levels could be a breaking level and what we've implemented has problems. And now we, to get to the next level, we're going to have to update some things. Yes. If your provider does implement a new level that removed features and it's not backwards compatible, yeah. I mean, all the big providers will give you plenty of warning yeah. about that. Uh, but it's something that it's not a set and forget forever. No. It requires maintenance, although it's, it's pretty minimal maintenance compared to other platforms. Well, you and I are both staying at the same hotel where they've still running TLS (laughs) 1.1. It's like how many years? And now it's just broken at that hotel. Yes. I spent about half an hour, 45 minutes trying to figure out how to connect to that. I had to can I had to open up Firefox because Chrome simply won't support it. Yeah, no configure, option anymore. Configure one of the advanced settings to support deprecated TLS uh, yes. just to use their connection portal. Uh, and then once it was connected, reset that so I didn't forget to yep. disable it. Turn it back <laughs> off again, but then everything worked. <laughs> right. And yeah. then it works, yeah, because it's just their login system. But, but you figure they've never updated it. They haven't changed anything. I mean, when did 1.2 come out? It was like... I mean, one point has been out for years. It's been a long time. But long the, enough that but, all the big providers have deprecated it. Yeah, and they've talked for years about, we're going to take this out. Yeah. What's happened now, clearly in the past year or so, is that the browsers now simply don't have the option to support 1.1 anymore. It's gone until we can hunt it. And you found it on Firefox and told all of us to how to do it. Um, but they, they're just dealing, that hotel is dealing with the fact that people are, I can't get on your internet. I think the problem is they're not dealing with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they're, and they're not qualified. Let's face it. It's a, it's a Hilton. It's a central service. Yeah. Like they need all of that upgrade, but it's not like they haven't had warning for a long time. They just yeah. haven't dealt with it. That's a pretty common problem in our world, I think. Yeah. And I think in the FIDO2 worlds, we're going to see something similar 
Uh, I don't think the specifications will change that much, but I think that because we're using a public-private key infrastructure, yeah. the requirements for the sizes of the keys will change over mm-hmm. time. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen that with SSH, right, needing to go from you know twenty forty-eight to forty ninety-six keys, yeah. or you know somewhere in between. And we're going to see something similar with FIDO two, yeah, over time, right? But we're talking over the periods of five to ten to fifteen sure. years, and where it's going it, to. You know, the hotel scenario still works. It's going to be the people who don't update that eventually we're going to come in with devices that are requiring a 4K or an 8K key, and they're still trying to deliver 2K keys. Same situation. And so for us, it's just if you're not – you need to update this software. They're making those changes because security needs to be improved. And if you're not not going to do those updates, then you're going to get caught. And eventually to the point where – as we get to the point of enforcement, you're now broken. I mean, I would argue that hotel is still going to say, hey, they shouldn't have locked us out of that, rather than we should be upgrading to the actual secure model. I think we will find the same thing. Because FIDO2 is really, like the enforcer is the browser. Right. And because most of these modern browsers are pretty assertive about updates and making sure you update them regularly, uh, I think that they will start to enforce some of these uh, and and, ha- and and as they've done with TLS. And exactly. And now, it's going to be the same situation. And now we're travelers struggling with this problem with a hotel that doesn't know what to do about mm-hmm. it. So we're up against it. Uh, Kyle, really fun conversation. Thanks so much for digging into FIDO2 for me. I think we've got to give another look at this. It's, the situation's better than ever before. And we should be able to, especially on these privileged accounts, be able to retire passwords for them. Absolutely. And with as with any new technology, it requires a bit of time and work to learn about it, yeah. to understand the process and to implement it. But once you do, it is uh, very nice to work with. Yeah. I highly recommend spending that time and effort. Powerful stuff. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. Mm-hmm.